This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. Well, good morning, Emmanuel. How you all doing today? Could you help me today and just welcome everybody that's joining us from Elk River and Maple Grove and online today. Let's give a big shout for them. Thank you all for joining us. If you're online today, just put a little wave emoji in the chat. That would be so awesome. Uh, Pastor Nathan mentioned his family's here, but they're not just family members. His family has an incredible spiritual legacy, and a lot of them are our Kingdom Builder partners all around the world. So one more time, can we give it up for the Grams? Shield, Shibley, Farina, Northups that are in the house today. So good to have you with us. Yes, yes, like Ben said, I'm Sarah, and just so thrilled to be here with you today. We wanted to show a quick photo of our family up on the screen. And just, uh, oh, there they are. Okay, we got three daughters. Our oldest is Ellie. She'll be 14 in July. Pray for me. Okay. Macy, who is 12, and our youngest, Roxy, who is nine. And this photo was taken this past fall, and you know, here we are in summer, and I have to say, the Bright family, we've had a really fun, full summer so far. Yeah, it was full of some exciting things, and actually our family, just happy to announce today, got a little bit bigger. We had an addition, but not in the way that you're gonna think. What happened was my mom, who's been single the last 36 years of her life at 72 years old, got married last weekend. Woo! Woo! Yes, yes, Ah, there they are. Everybody meet Ed. Meet Ed, this is the happy couple. This happened just this past weekend. We had the honor of hosting this in our home, and they're just so adorable, and we are just still on cloud nine, totally thrilled uh, for Ben's mom, for our family. Hey, you know, I'm not normally in the sanctuary. You know, they keep me in the lobbies because I, I, I get to work with the amazing hospitality teams here at Emmanuel. But yeah, give them a shout out. They are incredible. But you know, since I'm here and since I've been given a microphone, you're just gonna give a shout out to your team. What could go wrong? No, 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 no. What I, what I wanna do is give you a little insight into Ben Bright. You ready? Okay, listen. You know, you see him on the platform. He's a great communicator, a man of God. He's a wonderful husband, dedicated father. He's funny, he's handsome, he's full of wisdom. But, but there is this one thing. Okay, this guy gets hangry. You know, you know what that is. I'll see a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where are my hangry people at in the room? You don't eat on time. Stuff goes bad in your world. Okay, listen. Yes, he, it's just this window of time. If he doesn't get food when he is hungry, it quickly moves from hungry to hangry. So, you know, uh, in life, when you're on a road trip, what's like the most important thing about a road trip? The snacks. Yes, you're my people. Okay, so it is my job. Listen, I don't, I don't take the map and do the navigation. That would be disastrous. What I do is I make sure that we have good, hearty snacks to keep hangry at bay. Because what happens if we don't? We start that road trip and we wander around a gas station like... Like a couple of unsupervised nine-year-olds. Seriously, we're the worst. And next thing you know, $50 later, we've got things like Funyuns and beef jerky. I didn't even know there were so many kinds and varieties of gummy bears. So many gummy bears, you know, for that trip. And so... 
I, I gotta stay on top of it. That is my job. I pack the snacks to keep hangry at bay. Which is okay because being hangry, I wanna just give a little peace of mind to anybody that's felt that way. There's actually biblical, okay? And when I say it's biblical, I mean there's a story, an account in the scriptures of Jesus' closest followers having a huge argument because they were hungry and they didn't have as much food as they wanted. Yes, so true. It's so relatable. You know, in the book of Mark, we love the journey we've been on together the last few weeks. Up until this point, Jesus has healed many people, performed miracles, taught to large crowds, traveled all over with his disciples. But here we're going to see in the midst of the mountaintop moments, it's the in-between ordinary moments where Jesus takes the opportunity to teach his disciples the story we're going to look at takes place as Jesus and his disciples are traveling by boat to a new place, just an ordinary moment. No crowds, no miracles. Let's pick up the story in Mark chapter 8, verses 14 through 21. It says, but the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. Ding, ding, ding. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. And as they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. And at this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any food. So let me just paint the picture for you. You have... Jesus had just multiplied a little bit of bread to feed 4,000 people. There were basketfuls left over. Nobody brought any on the boat with them. Nobody thought to do it. And so there are, you have 12 grown men with Jesus, all very hungry, and the finger pointing starts. I imagine Peter sitting there being the outgoing one of the group, like, John, listen, I know you're his favorite and everything, but for the love, could you have brought just a few loaves of bread? Yeah, yeah, and John's like, whoa, 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 no, that was not my role. I had to load the gear into the boat. It is not my fault. Um, Matthew. Matthew, why didn't you bring the bread? And Matthew's over there like, no, 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 James, if you could just stop signing autographs with the crowd for a second and just get back in the boat with some bread, we'd all be good. Little did they know, it was probably Judas's fault. <clears throat> they just didn't know it yet. <laughs> Verse 17 picks up. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said to them, why are you arguing about not having any bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? Whoo, Jesus is getting feisty. When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterwards? 12, they said. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand yet, he asked them. You see, these are Jesus' closest followers. They literally walked with him and saw him heal the sick and restore hearing to the deaf and calm the winds and the waves with a command. He cast out demons. And yet in this moment, the disciples were caught up with worry over their very basic need. I kind of love it because they had this need. Jesus was with them and they didn't get it. Have you ever had a moment where you felt like God's trying to teach you something and you just didn't get it? I love that Jesus' closest followers in the scripture sometimes were a little clumsy in their faith journey, and it's reassuring to me that, you know, sometimes it's going to be a little clumsy, but we got to stay in it. Yeah, so true. And this, this story is kind of funny, and, you know, we picture the disciples kind of quirky. They're arguing. They're hangry, perhaps. They're focused on their physical need. And what I love is that Jesus takes the opportunity to look past what is happening in the physical, and he points out something that's happening in their hearts. 
See, he's always teaching, always so loving and patient, and I imagine the disciples probably got annoying, you know? Like, I'm just not as patient as God. But he doesn't give up on them. He takes the opportunity to teach and lovingly correct. How many of you are so glad we serve a loving, patient God? Yeah, and today I think this story actually applies so well because we might not be worried about a single loaf of bread to feed us, but each and every one of us is going through something. You might be here in the room today and your marriage feels like it's about to fall apart and you're staring down divorce. You might be having broken relationships in your friend group and you're, you're wondering if your friends will ever let you back into the circle again or feeling betrayal from someone that you love or wondering how God is gonna provide in the current season. You see, each one of us goes through different things and what the scripture does is Jesus brings us back to who we can really trust and who we can really rely upon when we're going through challenges in life. And we think there's three things in the scripture we wanna highlight today. The first one is that we can rely on Jesus. You see, when Jesus became aware of the conversation in the hearts of his followers, he said this, he said, watch out, beware the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. Super weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're hungry, why are you talking about the yeast of Pharisees and of Herod? Um, but I think what Jesus was doing is he was saying, look, there's a couple prevailing ideologies that you can rely on in our world today. And in their world, it was this, this yeast is something you put into dough, it helps bread rise, it works its way into the whole, whole dough. And he's saying, if you follow these ideologies and you rely upon them, that's going to grow in your heart, and you're eventually going to get prideful in what you're relying on. And when it doesn't satisfy you, doesn't meet the need you have, you're actually going to start maybe yelling at the people around you. Now, in our world today, it looks a little bit different. For the longest time, we've been living life in, in the Enlightenment era, the rational world, where it's like, just give me the empirical evidence. If you can prove it to me, I'll follow it. And in recent years, we've kind of stepped out of the rational world into what I like to call a little bit of the irrational world. Instead of following and chasing after, just give me evidence, 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 we go, no, I want to follow a cultural icon or an influencer. And so people find somebody that has a little bit of fame, and they might like the way that that person interacts with the world, and they like the way that that person treats other people. And we latch onto it, we say, you know what? Their world seems good. I'm gonna rely upon them to show me the way that I should be living my life. And I can call it good. And what happens though, is what inevitably we see behind the curtain of that person's life. And we recognize that there's broken parts of their story and that they don't have the answers and solutions. And we get frustrated and we end up maybe even just canceling them out and looking for the next one to latch onto. The second thing we do is we become super reliant upon ourselves. There's this idea that I can work hard enough to build a name for myself. I can portray and project a certain identity that I want everybody to believe about me. And so we work tirelessly to build up this name and identity for ourselves so that when people look at us, they see us a certain way. And the issue is when you look behind the curtain of our lives, we're broken. And there's broken pieces of our story. And so we feel like, like frauds or failures and we keep working and striving and exhausting ourselves trying to build a name for ourselves. Yeah, it's true. And you know, just what Ben is saying is true and I believe we can all resonate with that um, at one point or another in our lives. And we are so prone to, much like the disciples, relying on other things than God. But I feel like it's time for some good news. Is there good news, Pastor? Tell them the good news. Okay, good, here we go. Here's the good news. 
We can move from this point, from being self-reliant to God-reliant, and here's how we do it. We remain in him. John 15, five says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, Jesus is teaching us that if we want a fruitful life, we have to remain in him. Stop trying to do it on your own. When the world says, girl, you got this, I'm like, oh, I do not got this. I I don't got this, but you know what? I know the one who's got this, and I know that his strength is made perfect in my weakness. At that moment, I know that I can say, Lord, I need you. I cannot do this on my own. And we get to acknowledge the presence of God in every situation, every moment of our life, the mountaintops, the valleys, and everywhere in between. And that's where we get the opportunity to lay it all at his feet, the weight of the world that you feel like you're carrying. Lay it at his feet, the striving, the worry, the overcompensating, the fixing, the blaming. Lay it all down at his feet. We know we can do this because the Bible says in Psalm 55, 22, give your burdens to the Lord. He will take care of you. Cast all your cares on him. Aren't you glad we serve a God that we can rely on who's big enough to know each of our names and care about each of our needs? Philippians 4, 6, and 7, when we step into relying on Jesus, everything in our life changes. And Philippians 4, 6, and 7 highlights this. It tells us not to be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts in your minds, in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. How many are thankful for the peace of God? You know, I think about my story and my walk with the Lord, and I look back through different seasons walking with him, and I think about how that peace is not something I've always tapped into. It's always been available to me. And when I look back now, I can see so many times where I was self-reliant and not God-reliant. And for me personally, that manifested its way in my life. By make, I, would, I just had become a slave to people-pleasing. Anyone know what people-pleasing is? You know, it's like, it's like if, if everyone else was okay with me, then I was okay with me. And it was exhausting. Like, like I just wanted to be enough for people, but like not too much for people. You know, just like the right amount of Sarah for people. It's a lot of work. There's a lot going on here. And I would just strive and I would worry and I would run from here to there and person to person. And it's like I could never keep up and the mark kept moving and I never like felt satisfied. And I remember when the Lord started to uh, point out this issue in my heart. He began to uproot this in my heart. And at first I was like, excuse me, Lord, I don't really appreciate you calling me out on this. I'd like you to tread lightly because I feel like I am the good guy here. I'm the one that's trying to keep the peace, you know, know, just trying to keep the peace with all the people, make sure everybody's okay and make sure they're okay with me. And I just, I want to do it all right. And I kind of wore it like a badge of honor. And you know what the Lord did? In his loving kindness, convicted me and showed me that it was no badge of honor. In fact, it had become an idol in my life. Oh, Lord, an idol. I don't want anything to come between my relationship with you. 
But as I began to, to dig into this and could eradicate that big old ugly idol of people pleasing in my life, instead of striving and constantly going and working and, and handling and fixing, um, the fruit of my life started to become more like peace. <laughs> and I could be genuine and I could be me. And I didn't feel like a fake or a phony depending on who I was around. Instead of elevating what others thought and looking to them for my identity, I made a shift and put God in that place. And I have to say, it's made all the difference for me. Yeah. I love the result of a life that's relying on Jesus. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 describes it this way. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence they are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Yes, can never stop producing fruit. I love that. So we've learned to rely on Jesus. Say it, rely on Jesus. All right, there's something else that we can take away from Jesus' interaction with his disciples and that is to remember what he's done. In spite of the work we have seen God do in the past in our lives, sometimes still we have a hard time believing that we can trust him with our present. We must remember. You see, we're, we're forgetful people. We are forgetful people. It's true. I like how you used, like you brought everybody into forgetfulness. Um, my wife is, is really great, talented. She's a great communicator, great leader. She's beautiful. She's strong. She's a great mom. And she's super forgetful. Um, <laughs> I don't have to reach far into the troves of our relationship to give you an example of it. It was Monday of this week. <laughs> I was ready to leave for work and I couldn't find my keys and I, I'm pretty good at retracing my steps to know if I, if I had left them somewhere. And so I did the perilous thing as a husband. I called my wife and guys, you know, you gotta be delicate about how you go about this phone call. I said, honey, do you happen to have my keys? And you said, no, I do not which was true, and then I said, do you happen to remember seeing them or perhaps you've used them in, in the last little bit of time? And you said, no, no, I've not. Mm -mm. And guys, take notes on this, I did the right thing. I said, sounds good, I'll talk to you later. And then I thought to myself, because you know if you call back, it's, it's not good. So you can only ask so many questions without it feeling like an accusation. So I said, okay, if I were Sarah, where would I have put Ben's keys? And I remember just the previous day, she, was, she had some like green backpack bag thing. And ladies, just so you know, you, you love your bags and we all refer to them that way, the bag thing. Um, and so I remembered, I, I went into the bedroom, I found the bag, I opened it up and I found the keys to my car. And I did not call her. You did good, you did good. I don't know how they got there though. Listen, I'm also... A <laughs> I'm also a big proponent of the Find My app. How many of you Apple users have ever used the Find My app? Um, it has helped us learn that Sarah might just have left her phone in any number of places. Um, I mean, without the app, how would I know that my phone is in the refrigerator? <laughs> or the closet. Or the pantry. Or the freezer. The garage. Or just about anywhere else you could imagine. You see, we are forgetful sometimes. And Jesus, was, when he was talking to his disciples in the boat, he asked them this question. He said, don't you remember anything at all? 
Jesus is trying to point his disciples back to the truth of what he had already done. Because when we can remember what God has done for us, we remember that God has provided for us, we remember that he is providing for us and that he will provide in the future. And when we remember what he's done, it builds our faith to say, he did it yesterday, he can do it today, and he's got my tomorrow taken care of. We don't have to worry so much, he's got us covered. You see, Jesus pointed them back to two miracles he had just done, and I love it because he didn't ask them, hey, did I meet the need when the thousands of people were hungry? Did I meet the need? No, he says, how much leftovers did you collect? Basketfuls, both times. Friends, when we can remember what God has done for us in the past, it builds our faith to remember he can take care of our today. What had happened though was the disciples, they didn't remember. They forgot what he had done and who he proved he was. They went back into self-reliance mode instead of being dependent on him to provide. How often do we forget the miracles big and small that Jesus has done for us? One of the keys to learning to rely on Jesus starts with learning to remind our hearts and our minds that what Jesus has done before. He says, don't you remember at all? Do you remember? Can you recall the things the Lord has done in your life? When we remind ourselves of what he has done for us, we remember that he's in control, and guess what, he's always been in control. Focusing on what Jesus has done for us, it gives us confidence, peace, and helps us remember that the only reason we are where we are is because God has provided. Something that I love to practice in my own life when I'm staring down a situation that just seems all too much for me, when I'm tempted to be self-reliant, when I'm not remembering, what I do is I stop and I pause with the busyness around me and I begin to remember the faithfulness of Jesus in my life. I begin to recall the things that he has done in the ways that he has shown up. And guess what happens? As I do that, and as my heart begins to get filled up with this remembering of how sweet he is and how faithful he is, guess what? The worry and the stress and the fret and the striving and the going and the fixing, it just, it goes, it goes out. And what fills up is Jesus. And then what happens? It fills up to overflowing. And this is what I like to say. Let's step into the overflow of what's in our hearts. And the way we can do that is by remembering what he's done for us. He has been faithful. And we can live in the overflow of that as we remind our hearts of how Jesus has come through for us and how he's been faithful in the past. He will be faithful to you today. We can live in the overflow. That's so good, and today we wanna give you some really practical ways that you can remember what God has done. The first one is to revisit the places where God did something in your life. In the Old Testament, when God would do something miraculous, they would take stones and they would build an altar so that every time on their journey they saw that altar, they would remember that's where God did that miraculous thing for us. In our life, Sarah and I, we like to take like many spiritual pilgrimages and revisit the places where God did something incredible in our life because it brings us back to that moment of remembrance. 
I remember I was 15 years old on my very first missions trip. I was in Mexico. I was 15. I was at the altar. It was an evening service, and I remember crying out to God. My heart was so broken, full of compassion for what I was seeing around me, and I remember the words that were prayed over my life that day. I knew I was called and chosen, and I knew God had a plan for my whole life. It's 15. I love going back to Lake Geneva Christian Center in Alexandria, Minnesota, the place where when I was just a young boy, God saw me praying at an altar and filled me with this Holy Spirit. I love visiting and driving by and seeing Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge because I remember the day my brother graduated from that program and God completely restored his life and broke the chains of addiction and destruction and set him on a new path I will always remember. And they'll be here next week. Make sure to come back. Uh, I love going back to Buenos Aires, Argentina. Donde están mis Latinos? Listen, at 16 years old, I went on a missions trip. And the God I read about in the Bible became so alive and real to me as I watched people who were bound up by demons be set free. I watched people who were sick be healed. And I saw godly leaders lead with faith-filled and grace-filled lives. Yes, revisit And remember, next, retain it. Retain the blessing. We gotta bring it with us. The disciples had basketfuls of leftover bread, and what did they do? They left it behind. We need to remember that when God does miraculous things in our lives, it's important to bring it with you on the journey. Even in the valley, friends, even when it appears there's darkness all around, in the valley there are treasures. Scoop them up. Bring them with you. One thing we love to do is we love to reminisce about the things God has done together and invite other people into the reminiscing. Psalm 78, 4 says, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and about his mighty wonders. We love to collect our kids together and just go, hey, remember when God did this? Remember when God did that? And we love reminiscing together on the positive things that God has done. Amen. Our kids get a front row seat to our faith. We like to bring them along with us. We love to reminisce about the moments where God showed up and changed everything. You know what's easy? It's easy to dwell on the negative. It's easy to do it. Maybe it was a negative experience, something that you've gone through in your life. Maybe it was words that have been spoken over your life. You know what's easy and what the enemy would love is for us to dwell on that and to recycle it in our brain and let it seep in and become part of who we are. But here's what we have to do. It's a spiritual discipline of our mind and our heart to dwell on and remember the goodness of the Lord. Even through those times and in those times, what did God do in and through you in those moments? How has God been faithful? We must reminisce and know that God is moving. You know, for us, we've been through some hard times. You know, it hasn't always been rosy and sunshine and rainbows. I mean, like most of the time, for sure, for sure. But there have been seasons of our life that we have walked through that have been difficult. And it's like by the grace of God, you know, that he's seen us through. And you know what's easy is we could look back and say, oh, can you believe what they said about us? Can you believe the pain that we endured? And then it's just on and on and you stew. I don't know, I stew sometimes. It's just like confession hour, sorry. But just stew and and remember the negative. You know what's better? 
to remember and celebrate, wow, look how God carried us. Look how he protected us. Look how he saw ahead and he prepared a way for us. God, you are so good. Your faithfulness endures forever. God, you are worthy. God, we're gonna live our entire lives for you, holding nothing back. That's better. And that's what we choose to do. Yeah, it's so easy for us to let our minds drift to the past negatives. And when we, when we do that, when we allow our minds to go back to past negatives, it's easy for us to look at today with a negative lens. And then it's easy to look at tomorrow with a negative and project negative onto our future. And I love, I read, came across something uh, from a pastor and he was reflecting on 2020 and he said he reached a moment in 2020 and he said, I just wanted everything to stop. Any of you reach a 2020 moment where you're like, I just want it all to stop. <laughs> it's too much. He said, I didn't want to hear about COVID anymore. I didn't want to hear about unrest. I didn't want to hear about elections. I didn't want to hear about people fighting with people. He said, I was over it. And then he, in that moment, in that mindset, he ran into an 84-year-old man. And he's thought, this guy's lived through polio, diphtheria, the Vietnam War. And he, and he said to this older gentleman, he said, I'm assuming 2020 has been particularly difficult for you. And the old man looked at him and he said, no. He said, what do you mean, no? And the old man leaned in and he said, I learned a long time ago not to see the world through printed headlines. I see the world through the people that surround me. I see the world with the realization that we love big. Therefore, I choose to write my own headlines. Husband loves wife today. 72-year-old mom gets married. Family drops everything to visit loved one in the hospital. Old man makes a new friend. You see, as the old man shared this, the pastor decided he could let everything that was negative in him go, and he started to do what Philippians 4, 8, and 9 teaches us. It All right, teaches us this. It says, dear brothers and sisters, fix your thoughts on what is true. What is honorable and right and pure and lovely, lovely and admirable, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Here we learn God puts a lot of emphasis. It's important what we put our minds on, what we dwell on, what we think on. We need to discipline our thoughts and allow Jesus to transform and renew our minds. Really fun story from our family, and I just get to share this because we're up here today. So a few weeks ago, we had a bunch of people over at our house. Towards the end of the night, I realized we hadn't seen our youngest daughter, our nine-year-old Roxy, for a little bit. And so I thought, I'm going to go check on her and see where she is. And I went up the stairs, and I cracked the door of her bedroom open. And she was sitting there with her legs crossed and her hands open to heaven. And I was like, I had a question for her, but Sarah's taught me well, so the first thing I did is I took a picture. Um, <laughs> and then I said, Roxy, what are you doing? And she just calmly looks up and she says, I'm meditating. <laughs> so what are you meditating about? And she said, I'm thinking about Jesus and everything he's done for us. I was like, whew. So 
I'm going to challenge you today to follow in the footsteps of a nine-year-old, and I want you to take a moment today, whether it's right now or later in the day, if you're in the notes on our Emmanuel app for the message today, I want you to write down five things. Meditate on five things that God has done for you. Write them down, and then after you've written them down, when you're with a family member or friend or, or somebody that you're just spending time with, I want you to share those things with each other and just watch as you share what God has done, how, and you re remember that, just that. That faith will rise up inside of you. That's good. All right. So we've learned to rely on Jesus, to remember all that he has done. Third point, remember who Jesus is. What's that? Remember who Jesus is. Mark 8, 27 and 28 says this. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you are one of the other prophets. Then he asked them this, but who do you say I am? And Peter replied, you are the Messiah. I think this is such an important moment because I think the same question could be put to each one of us today. Who does the world say that Jesus is and who is he to you? You see when the disciples are facing the challenge of being hungry on a boat, they treated Jesus like he was just another guy in the boat. Sometimes when we're facing the challenges of our life, we treat Jesus like he's just some guy at the church. And the question of who he is to you and what you think about when you think about him is one of the most important things because our understanding of who Jesus is impacts our thoughts, our emotions, and our behaviors. And so today I wanna to tell you first and foremost who the Bible says that Jesus is. In Colossians 1, 15 through 20, it says this. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He's the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. He's first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. You see, when we start getting a clear picture of who Jesus is, we quit telling Jesus about our little problems, and we start telling our problems about our Jesus. Yes, come on, amen. You believe that, church? It is so exciting. I'm just getting excited. We're talking about who Jesus is. We're gonna list some of the names and titles of Jesus that we find in Scripture. Scripture says Jesus is the Almighty One, the Alpha and the Omega. He is our advocate, the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the bread of life, the deliverer, the faithful and true, the good shepherd, the head of the church, Emmanuel. God goes with us. Woo! He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Lamb of God, light of the world, Lord of all, our mediator, our Messiah. He's the one who sets the captives free. He's our hope. He's our prophet. He's our redeemer. He's our risen Lord. Lord. He is our rock and the sacrifice for our sins. He's our savior and the son of the most high, the supreme creator over all. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the victorious one. He's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He's all this and he's so much more. 
and he alone is worthy. He is Jesus. Listen, that's who the Bible says he is. Now let me tell you who he is to me. Jesus is the one that stepped into my life when I was just a kid in a broken family without much of a hope in a future. He was a father to the fatherless. He set my feet on a solid foundation and he pointed my life in a direction that I want to believe he's led me to if you had told me then. To me, Jesus has been that friend that sticks closer than a brother, my great defender, my hope. He's led me beside still waters and moments of great despair. He's broken that idol of people pleasing in my life, my comforter, my truth teller. He is my all in all. Jesus is all of this, and, and not just for the people you see on the platform, it's for you today. It's for all of us. If you feel like an outsider today, know that you are not. Jesus is all of this for you and me today. Jesus is always calling everybody closer. In Mark chapter eight, verses 34 through 37, he had his disciples close to him and he took a moment and it says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples. He said, if any of you wants to be a follower, you must give up your own way. Quit relying on yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? The question we have for you today is who is Jesus to you? Do you know him yet as your savior? Do you know him yet as your Lord? You see, Jesus asked his disciple these questions and he said, look, don't you have eyes to see? Do you have ears to hear? Does your heart understand? But he's so good and he's so patient in bringing us along the journey that he had literally just given sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, and speech to those who couldn't speak. It's true. And we believe that today, as we acknowledge God's presence in every moment of our lives, wherever you find yourself today, he is faithful, you can trust him, he will open ears to hear. He will open eyes to see and hearts to receive. We must look to him. We want everybody to know Jesus like we do. How I feel about him is an echo from Mark chapter 7, verse 37. When all the people had seen the way he, he acted, the way he interacted with people, they said, everything he does is wonderful. And we wanna give everybody in this room under the sound of my voice, wherever you're listening today, an opportunity to respond to Jesus. So I'm gonna invite you just to bow your heads with me this morning. If today you've heard us talk about Jesus and who he is, and you recognize in your heart that you don't know him yet, that you haven't experienced his goodness, that you've been trying your own way, that you feel exhausted from it, we wanna tell you today you can rely on Jesus. And what Jesus says is you can leave that past, that current way behind and be made new. Jesus will come in and forgive sin. He'll set your future on a whole new path. Today, if you don't know Jesus, but you would lift your hand and say, I wanna know Jesus today. Would you lift your hand up in this place? Just put your hand up high towards heaven. Say, Jesus, I wanna know you. I want you to make me new. I want you to give me a new future. His hands up. I'm gonna wait a moment longer because I wanna pray with you today if you want Jesus to make you new. Church, I'm gonna invite you to pray along with me today. And if you put your hand up, I just wanna encourage you, I'm gonna pray a prayer that I wanna lead you in a prayer. 
and there's nothing magical, magic about my words. They're just words from my heart. And I'm gonna ask you to repeat them from your heart. And I believe that today Jesus is gonna step into your story. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for the fact that I can cast my cares on you. Thank you for the fact that I can cast my cares on you. Thank you for loving me so much. Thank you for loving me so much. That you gave me Jesus. Please forgive my sins. Please forgive my sins. Please give me a new future. Please give me a new future. Please make me new today. Please make me new today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services live every week. Check out emmanuelcc.org for details. Please be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time.